Welcome to Season 2 of Offscript with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Over the next few weeks, we'll be going off-script with Sam and other leaders from his network across the globe. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to Offscript with Sam Monk. We're talking about leadership lessons, what's worked and what hasn't, and everything in between. Today, uh, we've got the amazing Peter Prothero, affectionately known as P3, Pastor Peter Prothero, uh, with us. He's been a long-term uh, minister in our movement with Equippers Church, uh, comes from uh, just an amazing uh, heritage of leadership, been in ministry, what is it? 44 years. 44 years, and yeah. you're only, what, 48? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, I wish. <laughs> uh, but uh, a lot of experience from church leadership, also ran at International Bible College yes. uh, in Denmark, and so it's great to have you joining us today. Thanks, Sam. It's great to be with you. Yeah, and we're going to talk a little bit about leadership and draw from your experience. I know uh, last couple of years uh, have been interesting, uh, COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter normally travels all over the place. Uh, that started back up, but for two years, uh, you were in lockdown. So tell us a little bit what you did during lockdown. Well, it was, it was an incredible time for me because uh, the first two or three months, it was about house repairs, and my wife was extremely happy with me, <laughs> yeah. and I scored lots of points getting everything working. And then, you know, to go two or three months with very little income pushed me to ask a very simple question from the Lord, and that's, what do I need to do right now to release your blessing over my life? And when I said blessing, I meant financial provision. Yeah. And... I, I, I had the deepest conviction that I needed to start writing. And so really, Sam, that's what I gave myself to. I, I literally got up early in the morning like I was going to work. Come on. I sat in my office for between six and eight hours, and I wrote. That's great. And we've been saying to you for years that you need to write. So uh, something... Yeah. Loads of prophetic words <laughs> over many years. Thank God for COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great things that come out of COVID. Yeah, and I think, you know, I sort of reflect on the Apostle Paul and his ministry, and I'm not trying to compare myself to him, but, but just in the sense that God put him in prison, and wow. we, we have the prison letters, yeah. which we probably never would have yeah. if God hadn't slowed him down, shut him up, and, and just put him in a place where all he could do was write and get visitors and disciple people in that way. Yeah. And so I, I've embraced this season. Uh, rather than fight it, I've embraced it and seen God's provision as well. So for you to write more, we need to put you in prison? <laughs> well, <laughs> now I've got a habit. Yeah. Now I've developed a new habit in my life. So, so from time to time, I'm just sequestering myself and writing. And That's cool. Yeah. So second book is ready to come out yeah. now. Because after all that experience, it's important, you know, just journaling some of those things. You know, after 44 years, first book's called... It's called Church Leadership, the stuff you usually learn the hard way. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that title. Yeah, well, I thought long and hard about it. And, and when I was writing stuff, I thought, boy, I wish when I was in my 20s and 30s, someone had written a book that, was, that wasn't about theology. It wasn't about how to preach. We do all of that stuff in Bible college and seminaries. But it was, it was the stuff that nobody tells you about, which is really how do you apply your leadership and what are the things to watch out for yeah. and how do you build real credibility and what is the world looking for from the church and from church leaders? Great. great. It sounds, well, I've read it. It's a great book. 
And um, yeah, it's great to have you here because you know you can speak on many different subjects, but we're talking about leadership. And um, one thing you know, I've heard you minister on talking about the, the dichotomies of leadership. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. that's one of my favorite topics because you know what I found is that in in our today's culture, everything is polarizing. Yeah. Politicians, Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. politicians are polarizing. Um, every issue that you can find in the world, it, it becomes an either or. Do you stand here or do you stand here? And it's not even, you know, in the central part, you know, on the left side or the right side. It's really becoming more and more polarized. The extreme edges yeah. are what's in the media and what people are profiling. And what I've tried to do is say, you know what? Leadership is actually a dichotomy. It's, it's never either or. It's usually and and both. Yeah, wow. And, and so that premise is, is what underlies a lot of my thinking about leadership. And so, you know, it, it isn't a question of choosing this or that. It's rather saying, what is the context demanding here? Wow. And can I be flexible enough to, to move in a style of leadership that's appropriate for what's going on right now? Yeah, that's so important because as leaders, I think in this current climate, we do need to be agile. That agility is really important, and it's not just a one size fits all. Yeah, absolutely. Context, you know, reading the context of what you're going into and what you're leading, yeah, you know, I think is really critical. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, so uh, unpack some of the dichotomies. You know, what 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 a you know one dichotomy. Yeah, so so a simple one is: should a leader be directive in his leadership? Should a leader be empowering in his leadership? And you know and the answer to that is well. Here's the thing. So there's a whole lot of li- literature about empowerment today, yeah. which is a reaction to yeah. directive, top-down, if you like, dominating leadership. Yeah. But but the truth is, we need both. And and here's the thing: um, when you're dealing with somebody who's very new to leadership or new yeah. to making decisions, they need help and they need direction in how to do that. They need to be exposed to a culture of leadership where they see the process of how decisions are made. And so you find in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is extremely directive the first time he sends the 12 out on a mission. So so he says stuff like this. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Um, Don't go to the Gentiles. Wow. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, I mean, anyone today would would argue theologically with Jesus. Yeah, but the gospel's for the whole world. The gospel's for everybody. You know, well, why can't we go to the Gentiles? I've, I've got a heart for the Gentiles. And it's like, oh, my goodness, get, get over yourself. This is Jesus understanding his own mission. Yeah, true. And, and then he says, um, you know, don't take, don't take a bag with you. Don't take money. Yeah. Uh, don't talk to anyone along the way. Wow. It's like, whoa, that's directive, you know? Yeah. And then the first house you go to, find a man of peace, stay there. Don't go, don't hop from house to house if somebody off has a bigger place, you know, no. It's pretty stay. prescriptive. It's very prescriptive, very directive. Um, and he even, he even tells you how to handle rejection. You know, if they don't receive, you shake the dust off your feet. He doesn't say go into six months of counseling for rejection. <laughs> he said, no, no, no. I know this is the place for all this stuff, but I'm talking about leadership now. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, you know, and Jesus says, look, just move on and go to the next place. Yeah. Um, and so Matthew 10 is highly directive. Then you get to Matthew 28, yeah. which is at the end of three years of training and ministry development and all of that stuff. And, and it's really very simple. It's going to all the world um, and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, um, teach them everything that I commanded you to do. Boom. Wow. Yeah. 
And it's like, whoa, that's extremely empowering. Yeah. But, but we, you know, you can't jump to Matthew 28 without reading the first 28 chapters and the entire process that Jesus took the disciples through to get them to that place of empowerment. And so I think one of the biggest mistakes we make now in leadership is that we actually expect people to do something that they haven't been trained and empowered to do and shown how to do properly. Now, if you're taking somebody who's got years of experience, fair enough. But but when you're taking somebody who's a novice or very little experience, you actually need to be directive with them. Yeah, you, you, you need to give them clear, prescriptive ways of doing things. And and it's really like the second chapter of my book in in the stuff you usually learn the hard way. I talk about the ten plagues of church meetings. <laughs> And just 10 things that we do that I think just don't help us in communicating truth and communicating the gospel. But, but it happens every week in churches up and down the land. Yeah. And so, so I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying, you know what? In my experience, this stuff isn't helping us. Yeah, well, I think if I was to say some mistakes I've made over the years is I've uh, empowered people too quickly. Yeah, and, and that is the biggest mistake yeah. because everybody's talking about empowerment now. Yeah, and to say that you're a directive leader is is a little, you know, it's to sort of tar yourself with a brush that nobody wants to be tarred with. But actually, yeah. there's a place for directive leadership, and the motivation behind directive leadership is is ultimately to empower. Yeah, but it's to it's to help people feel secure that they don't have to come up with all the answers at the beginning. Yeah. So, for instance, Sam, I was talking to a young leader who's pioneering a church, mm-hmm. and. Um, he said, I'm finding it really hard to prepare messages for Sunday. And I said, well, look, you're, you're, you're 24. Yeah. I said, you've had very little experience. Take messages from other people. Take my messages, but take the skeleton of the message. In other words, take the headings, right. take, the, take the verses even, but use your illustrations, use your story, use your journey in it. Yeah. And I just had a session with him today, a coaching session. He said, people said it was the best message they'd <laughs> ever heard me preach. And because it took the stress out of him coming up with the creative three points, yeah. you know, he borrowed that from someone else. But here's the thing, if a message is from heaven, if yeah. a message is from God, then why can't we borrow it? Why can't we take it? Jesus, When Jesus preached the kingdom of God, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, that was a message he took from John the Baptist. Wow. John was the very first one to preach that. You know, John was the first person to make disciples, not Jesus. Yeah. He copied John. And then John was the first, time to, first one to baptize. And then in John chapter 2, it says Jesus baptized more people than John did, but not Jesus, his disciples did. So, so he took John's message, he took John's method, and he took John's disciples. <laughs> it's like, what's going on there? Well, John said it himself in John chapter 2, a man can receive nothing unless it's given him from above. Wow. And so if it's from above, it's things that we can take. Yeah. You know, and I think in leadership, sometimes we're trying to be too original. Wow. When in fact, um, there's as- like the gospel is 2,000 years old. We can't change the gospel. Yeah. But we can find creative ways to present it. And in leadership, leadership, you know, essentially is servant leadership. That hasn't changed in the kingdom. Yeah. But we've got to find a way contextually to express what does that look like today. And I think we shouldn't be afraid when we're, especially working with new people, we yeah. shouldn't be afraid to be directive yeah. and say, I want you to do it like this. Yeah. And if they hear the motivation as to why you want them to do it like that, you know, because when it comes 
to even Jesus being uh, directive, he actually rebuked them a few times. <laughs> yeah. He'd send them out <laughs> and then he'll rebuke them. You know, they wanted to call down far from heaven and, yeah. and fry everyone. And Jesus had to say, hey, my reason for coming is I'm here to seek and save the lost. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because that's the other thing is, is that sometimes we want to franchise what God has given us. Yeah. We, we want to own it in an unhealthy way. And it's like John said, we saw someone casting out demons and we, we told him to stop it. And Jesus said, don't do that. Yeah, wow. You yeah. know, it's like, you don't own this. You, you know, you haven't got a, a copyright on this stuff. Yeah. You know, you've been called to it. And if other people are called to it, just because they don't follow us, you know, that, that's not for you to be fussed about and critical about. And I think that's so healthy you know, um, like when I first started leading a church in this particular town, you know, I wasn't well received. You know? And so I went out of my way when other people came in and wanted to start a church. I say, yeah, you know, we've got thousands of people here and we've only got 20 churches. I think there's enough room for another one. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just having that generous spirit. A generous spirit. And I think when it comes to even like the discipline side of things, the motivation is, you know, discipline is not something you do to a person. It's something that you do for a person. Yeah. And I'll challenge to even say in the directive approach, you know, um, sometimes uh, uh, people aren't actually for the person. Yeah. Uh, they're leaving the person to figure it out all themselves. Yeah. Uh, rather than, you know, really saying, hey, here's a way to to really do something. Yeah. You know, in time you can add your own flavor and your own thing. And I, I think Rick Warren once said it well. He said, um, he said, imitation beats innovation. Yeah, absolutely. 95% uh, of the time. And he said, I'd rather be effective than creative and sometimes i think we've made a god out of creativity yeah and uh in a lot of places uh we're no further on in fulfilling the mission god's called us to and in the end the filter has to be are we winning more people to jesus are we discipling people you know are we further on in yep. the mission that we've been called to yeah, yeah yeah absolutely and i think you know if you look at sports um you know just an example um, it's it's astonishing to me how every world class player, take tennis for instance, has a coach, yeah. has somebody who's saying to them, you know, this is what you need to improve, this is what you need to watch out on this particular game. This is where you were were weak, yeah. and this is where you fell down. And, and so coaches, although they're pointing out things that you need to change and improve, it's so that you can be the consistent winner. Wow. Yeah. And I think if we take that attitude into leadership and, as, and we, we're lifetime learners, uh, and so when somebody's telling us, hey, do this differently, rather than getting insecure or upset or, or feeling like you know, we're being, you know, oh, you're just trying to squeeze me into your mold. No, I'm not. I'm trying to help you be more effective and have greater impact. Yeah. And do you think that there's seasons where you know, you've experienced directive leadership, you yourself, then you're empowered, but then, you know, almost to go to another level, you need to go back and be directed by somebody. Yeah, that, that's fascinating because, because you can develop skills, a skill set in a certain arena, and then you get into a different arena. So, so for instance, when I spent my time in Bible college, I was eight years senior lecturer there, I was four years as principal. Um, that was an arena I, was, I grew to be comfortable in. The first few years, it took me a while because I was teaching 15 hours a week. It was a heavy schedule. But then when I'd written the curriculum, developed yeah. it, you know, I got comfortable in that arena. I knew what I was dealing with. 
But then Bruce asked me to come to London and be a trainer within the context of local church and church planting. And it was a new arena for me. It was going back to something I'd seen in the past, but, but it hadn't worked out that well in the past. Yeah. So this was a new arena for me. And I never at that time saw myself as a church leader again. I thought, I'm just going to be trained. I'll use my experience to train and develop people. Yeah. And, then, and then I got this challenge no, I, from the Lord to go back into leadership. And I was actually quite insecure about it. Wow. And I remember saying to the church when I took it on, I said, look, I've got a couple of non-negotiables, but here's the first and most important one. Bruce Monk is the apostolic leader I'm connected to and I relate to, and that's not negotiable. Hmm. Uh, and if, if you can't accept that, I'll just walk out now and save us all a lot of time. Um, and it's because I knew I needed Bruce's direction at time. And then later on, you fed into that. Yeah. And, and there was key times where you and Bruce came in and you were really directive about what needed to happen for the church to move forward. And to me, that was like the apostolic grunt. That was the apostolic input that wasn't controlling. It was, it was ultimately empowering, but it was directive. This is the issue that you need to resolve, you need to work with, you need to, to focus on, and then you'll see breakthrough. And I found that unbelievably helpful. And so, you know, here in this new context, even though I was a mature man, I was in my 50s, I was actually welcoming directive leadership. Which is interesting because it's, the more mature you are, you understand Let's not do it the hard way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There's some things I don't need to figure out myself. Let's access the gifts and graces that God's put around me. Absolutely. So that we can really move forward. Yeah. Well, that's that's some great stuff there. I'm sure many of you would have benefited uh, from that those thoughts there, the dichotomies of leadership, both directive and empowering. Uh, we're going to do a couple of episodes with uh, Pastor Peter Prothero, P3, as he's officially known. But this is Off Script, and I'm Sam Monk, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Off Script with Sam Monk. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure you pass it on. We love your feedback, so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Off Script with Sam Monk.